Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. DMV Download, the new daily podcast from WTOP News is out now. Hosts Megan Clorty and Luke Garrett get the story behind the story. Every weekday afternoon, Megan and I will go beyond the headlines with WTOP reporters and sources to bring you more on the biggest local stories impacting you, our fellow Washingtonians. The DMV Download podcast is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. The DMV Download podcast is presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Tomorrow marks the 20th anniversary of Anna Gasteyer's final appearance on Saturday Night Live on May 18, 2002. I spoke to Gasteyer in 2016 when she came home to Washington, D.C. for a special concert at Arena Stage, sharing memories of her favorite SNL sketches from the Culps to Sweaty Balls. Thanks so much for taking the time, Anna. Thank you for having me. I know you're born and raised in D.C. We can get to that in a minute, but, but what exactly is going on at this event? You know, it's it's to honor um, Arena Stage and... Um, it's uh, their annual gala to raise money, mostly for the for this amazing uh, theater and organization. And um, I'll be doing my act, which I tour the country with, um, and um, singing a bunch of ridiculous songs from my ridiculous jazz album and telling stories. I'm sure about growing up in DC and and others, other things. Um, and uh, it should be a really good time. They have this they have this annual event. This is their you know their shindig. Their their big their big blowout for the year so this is like their kennedy center honors or something uh i wouldn't say it's honors exactly but yeah it's to it's to raise money for the for the the theater so um yeah well tell me you mentioned you have a ridiculous jazz album (laughs) go into that It, it has a lot of uh really old um you know some standards and some old novelty songs from further back the 30s and 40s that are kind of revisited in a in a jazzy way um the the you know the act is kind of a nod to that you know, great performers era of the late 50s, early 60s, and um, Supper Club. Marlene Dietrich, or... Yeah, somewhere in there. Uh, but, but Betty Hutton is probably closer, Danny Kaye, you know, some. It, it's, it's it's a little old-fashioned, and, and it's me, so it's a little modern, but um, it definitely is a, is a genre that I really relate to and that I connect to, and um, musically that's really fun because it's so improvisational and it's, uh, the, the, the lyrics are often, you know, really important, and I'm, I'm a lyrics person in terms of they drive the story. They tell that they are, you know, they tend to be kind of fun and complicated and and not just sort of there as a, 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 a afterthought. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so so yeah. many songs, it's like they're a throwaway thing just to accompany the beat or something. Uh, to, mm-hmm. to me, it's it's the story. It's the whole. It's that's the whole thing. Yeah, and that's sort of um, you know that's something that all great American songs um, do is tell a great story, and that's something that I love to perform. So that's that's um, the kind of music that I've been drawn to, and it, and it does have. Um, like I said, like sort of a late 50s, early 60s vibe to it. Um, a little bit of a, a throwback, 
vibe and a vibe where, you know, basically I like it when people, um, you know, have a couple cocktails while I'm performing. So it's, it's sort of, a, it's, it's got a, it's got a supper club, you know, nightclub vibe to it. That makes it an easier crowd if they're a few deep by the time. Oh yeah. Like- I always enjoy a drunk crowd more than a not drunk crowd. They, they tend to be out to have a good time. And that's sort of, that's all, the only reason I perform is so people have a good time. So I'm not out to change the world, you know? Drunk crowd better than a drunk performer. Happy, happy drunks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, a lot of us who've, you know, seen you, you know, you've made us laugh for so much. A lot of us might not, might not know that, you know, a lot of our listeners might not know that you've been classically trained singer. And I think you played violin since you were like age five. Talk about sort of those, those early days growing up in D.C. and how you, you fell for music. Yeah, I definitely started as a musician. Um, you know, I, I am known as a comedian and that's mostly what I do for, you know that's how I make my living but um this this act in particular it was born sort of out of reconciling those two things together because I um they are really separate and I like my my professional debut was as a child uh chorister in the Washington Opera um yeah and you know I was definitely from like a much more classical um training bent as a kid and then I, I I sang my way into Northwestern University in Chicago and that's actually where I found comedy because it's huge there improv comedy was born in Chicago so that's really where I started uh, found my my comedy people um, but yeah that's why so so you you already spoke to it basically I was a, a classical vocalist and and a violinist um, throughout my childhood there so it wasn't until after SNL when I kind of came back around to singing in a way that I related to, you know, kind of found my, started my own act and got my own band going and made music the way that I, that kind of fit me a little bit better. Were there any like, you know, DC centric, you know, theaters or concert venues you remember going to as a kid or did they have like a singing group at Sidwell Friends? You know, talk, talked about the sort of the community, the arts community. The arts community is in DC. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was absolutely, um, raised, you know, my parents were very involved in the arts. So, um, I already mentioned the Washington opera, but, um, you know, I studied at the Washington School of Ballet, and I, it was all very, like, traditional. But um, the main thing I was going to say is that the, one of the main reasons I'm, I, I, I'm so looking forward to this is I actually grew up um, deeply connected to the arena stage. My parents were members there, and um, our, our, our very close family friends were the, the Proskys. Bob Prosky was one of the great um, temples of that organization uh, as a rep theater company. And, and uh, Libby Bauer was a schoolmate of mine at Sidwell. And her parents, Richard Bauer and Hala Wines, were both um, arena um, ensemble members. So I, I think I saw, you know, 30 shows there or something growing up. And it, it had such a huge influence on my becoming a performer because um, it was just smart, interesting, you know, interpretive, great um, theater. So it, and, and, and so, you know, for a city relatively cosmopolitan but small I mean now that I live in New York and I realize like how, how much effort it takes to put on good theater you know it's really impressive and and I know that the rest of the theater scene there you know I, I know people from the signature theater I know people you know Willie Mammoth I mean th- these are great American this has become one of the great American theater cities Washington um, yeah so I'm excited to go down there and support the arena because it really had a huge huge influence on um, my ideas that I could become an actor you know um, which is cool Definitely. Um, you just mentioned a few seconds ago. Um, you went to. You said it was Northwestern. Is that right? I did. Yeah. Explain specifically how you discovered comedy. When was that first moment you got a laugh and said, "Hey, I, this sounds good." Yeah. You know, it's funny. People always say like, "Oh, were you the class clown?" I mean, I, almost everyone I, all my friends from Sidwell are really funny people. That it, 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 it was a very kind of clever bunch that I hung out with. Um, I definitely was. You know, in retrospect, probably, you know, the performance thing was really. Um, 
my bag when I was in high school. I did every, you know, every play and every musical. And, and we had, um, there's a really wonderful drama teacher there, Ed Crow, that, um, and he's actually a drummer as well, that really influenced me, and John Elko as well, that, that, that are both, they're again, active in the D.C. Th uh, theater scene, worked at the Folger, worked at the Arena. Um, and, uh, and so I kind of knew I wanted to be a performer, but I didn't know, I, and I knew I was, like a good funny performer just from plays and stuff like that but when I got to college they, there was an improv show um, that was kind of legendary and I auditioned for it and got in and you know immediately sort of was realized oh my god these are my people you know what was the improv show it's called the meow show it's like a, just northwestern's improv crew yeah um you know a lot of northwestern churns out a lot of well-known actors but there have been a lot over the years that have done the meow show as well so yeah so what brought you from from there to new york then what did you get into the whole you know chicago's like a legendary comedy scene so did you get into that and make the job yeah i actually went to la um on the advice of some chicago people kind of followed a bunch of people that way and then i did the groundlings out in la which is a, a sketch comedy um, sketch and improv company that uh, is fantastic and and it's it's a kind of a huge gateway to Saturday Night Live and that's that's how I got um, seen for SNL and then I moved to New York to do SNL and then um, once I was in New York I was like I really miss music and so I started um, auditioning for a lot of the casting directors here in town as a singer and then I got after I left SNL I started working um, I spent about four years really really like in pursuit of a true career I had to make up for a lot of time you know musical theater is really hard and um and takes a lot of discipline and training and so I just put my nose to the grindstone and I did I did um four Broadway shows in a row and I did a bunch out of town and you know um a couple off Broadway so that's sort of where I had to like catch up on my theater bona fides stay tuned for the rest of my conversation with Anna Gasteyer but first a message from a fellow WTOP podcast DMV Download, the new daily podcast from WTOP News, is out now. Hosts Megan Clorty and Luke Garrett get the story behind the story. Every weekday afternoon, Megan and I will go beyond the headlines with WTOP reporters and sources to bring you more on the biggest local stories impacting you, our fellow Washingtonians. The DMV Download podcast is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. The DMV Download podcast is presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Welcome back to Beyond the Fame with the rest of my conversation. Welcome back to Beyond the Fame for the rest of my conversation with Anna Gasteyer. Well, before even SNL, I think I, I, did I did I see you in like some small TV roles? Didn't you get turned away by the soup Nazi in Seinfeld? Oh yeah, I did. I did TV. I did a little bit of TV. Yeah, for sure. What was it like getting told no soup for you? <laughs> it was my first TV job. And you were turned away. I was turned away. Yeah, it was great. I was so excited. Are you kidding? It was like a legendary episode. Oh, it's yeah, it's probably the most famous one. Okay, and then um, you mentioned your Broadway shows, but before we get to that, I do want to go just move chronologically a little bit more um the snl days just quick memories on you know on the culps oh my god well it's so fun they, you know they were i actually t uh, tweeted about them yesterday because it was uh, national music teacher appreciation day who knew, who knew? <laughs> that would have been the perfect venue for you guys to go sing yeah exactly oh my god you're right um uh, yeah they were you know i we wrote them um at the show it was incredibly uh fun it, it was always a, an amazing exercise in procrastination we we're kind of famous for that, um, and uh, and it was just always it was always uh, 
like the, it was like a labor of love. I mean, we just did them because it was they were fun to write, they were fun to perform. Do you and Will? I mean, did you sit down and the two of you came up with which songs you were gonna do, or was it the writer? Yeah, and Paula Pell. No, with the three of us always wrote them. Yeah, um, and it's so funny because the songs were always this like afterthought where you know we would work and work and work and work on the hardest thing was kind of fi finding the story and recreating you know the disasters that would befall them en route, and then um, and then we would you know, jam out those those medleys usually to involve something modern and, you know, just try to think about it. It was really fun to do the arrangement in the way that they would do it, you know. And I have to give credit to Cheryl Hardwick, who was our early musical director. She left actually halfway through my tenure there, but she was there for 25 years. Was the trick sort of taking something, I don't know, like modern and making it seem very straight-laced? Like, you know, don't mm -hmm. like a truck, truck, truck. Yeah, exactly. We'd all, we would always have fun with, yeah, exactly, what they would say. Now, the, obviously, probably the most legendary was with you and Alec and, and the sweaty balls. Tell, <laughs> how did that one come up? And, you know, which which restaurant in D.C. has the best, serves the best sweaty balls? Oh, God. Uh <laughs> Um, that one came up, uh, again, that, those were characters that I did a lot, those NPR characters. I uh, grew up in an NPR household and have a conflicted love-hate relationship with them, as all, all people who love NPR do. Um, not even love-hate, but just, yeah, the sketch. So I'd done the sketch at, at, at the Groundlings, actually, and then did it, you know, repeatedly at Saturday night. And, uh, and then when Alec was hosting, that was, yeah, um, that, that, the joke came up, I don't know, the writer's, I think Dennis, who I wrote it with, pitched it first, and then, yeah, we ended up writing it, so it was, yeah, anyway, it, it, it did end up, you never know when you're, it's so weird, because I, I, people always ask me, what was it like, but I don't, you never know when you're creating anything, if it's going to take, you know, so it's not, um, it's not, it, it, that, that sketch in particular, like, has had half lives, I mean, it was incredibly, successful in the moment people loved it and it played really well people thought it was hilarious ha 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 then you know you're like oh that was great but then you went on with your life you know and I also you know it, uh, the weird thing it's only it hasn't been that much time but it, it the internet has changed everything since I was on the show and um when I was there even the last couple years I was there you know you would you would maybe TiVo it like nobody had the nobody you wouldn't have things that would show up on the internet the next day um so it's kind of interesting like how things have uh changed in terms of like culture and the way we consume it, it was you know you did the show you did the show live and if people talked about it the next day then like lucky you or if they taped it you know they videoed it my parents have videotapes of the show which is so sad still VHS yeah I finally got went back and got everything like put onto a jump drive because it made me sad to go back to their house and see these old VHSs. So there, literally there's VHSs sitting on a shelf somewhere in D.C.? In, actually, they live in New Mexico now. My parents sadly left D.C., yeah, but my father-in-law's still there, so that's where my family is. And they brought the VHSs with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's true. Like, I mean, in the day, you either saw it live, maybe you taped it, or you, you know, if, if those those old skits would maybe show up on, like, a highlight show or a clip show or something. Exactly. Nowadays, yeah, yeah now it's all on Hulu. You can you can pull up Sweaty Balls or The Culps or what or all of your stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know if The Culps, they, I, I, unfortunately, see, a lot of the stuff I did was musical, so it's harder to find because nobody wants to pay for the rights, so they don't want to re-air it. Yeah, so it's like The Culps are actually really quite hard to find um let the can, legend grow <laughs> yeah you can you can dig around and find them but um yeah the, the same thing goes this this gemini's twin this destiny's child parody that i did with maya rudolph and um 
Yeah, quite a few of my, my sort of more music-oriented things. Yeah, yeah. Well, us here in D.C., we also remember all of the sort of the politicians you played. There's some internet buzz of Ted Cruz's wife. There's all yeah, kinds it was of, ridiculous. There's right. all kinds of ridiculous stuff. There's a chance for you to go back for a guest appearance. Well, Kate McKinnon does a killer Hillary, so that's that's done. I did Hillary like 1.0. You know, I did her when she was um, the, the first lady and the first lady only, so it wasn't much of a... Um, there wasn't so, so much meat there. I think right in my last season, she was uh, running for Senate. We did a couple of um, couple of things there. But again, she was running for New York Senate. Like, nobody really cared um, at, in terms of uh, comedy fodder. You know, um, she's become a much more, she, the, the, you know, the, you, uh, an impression is only as interesting as the work that someone's doing. So, you know, she's gone on to do such incredibly accomplished things um, as a senator you know, Secretary of State and all that. So there's just more to play there. But uh, All right, cool. Well, now moving along here to, to Broadway. You mentioned you were in a, a bunch of shows, I think four. Wicked was the big one, obviously. You were, you know, and then Three Penny Opera, Rocky Horror. You know, what are your what are your fond memories of Broadway in terms of, you know, I guess bringing you back to your musical and, your you know, your singing and theater roots as opposed to comedy? Yeah, they're really different. You know, what I mean, they're, it's, they're like utterly different. It's It was a cool... Um, extreme to go to after SNL because everything on SNL is about like getting it out you know and 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 working quickly and spontaneously and under enormous pressure and whereas Wicked is like the same amount of pressure but it's all about refinement and uh, exactitude so you know because it's such a huge part and there's all all Broadway shows all theater is done um, in this kind of very elaborate and specific and tracked way, uh, because you have to do the same thing every day, pretty much exactly the same. It doesn't have to be the same performance exactly, but it has to be, you know, physic. Like you literally walk the same traffic pattern every day, so that you don't go careening into somebody. Um, so, uh, you know, it was it was it was a really interesting um, challenge, and I'm and I'm and I loved it. I loved it, and I loved it in a completely different way than I loved SNL. Um, it's just good for your voice to sing every day. I mean, if you, you know, there's no, there's no substitute for that, you know, so. Keep working that muscle. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I'm, I made up for a lot of lost time, which was great and, and really, um, necessary if I was going to try to do it for real, you know? Exactly. Well, I mean, now, but all of those shows and SNL and everything, you're, you're a household name now and, you know, they, how are, how are you, how are you the one that they called, um, you know, recently we just saw you on with the Strahan Oh thing. yeah. I, you know, I've done that. I, I go in and sit in on some of those chairs when people, again, I think just cause I'm not as scared of being live as other people are. Yeah. It doesn't knock me out. Maybe the way it, I understand it would be terrifying to a lot of people. And, um, I've done that like when they've gone on vacation and stuff. So that's actually it's um, that that's why they called because I, I'm here in New York and un, undaunted by drama. Yeah. How, how speaking of that, how do you like sort of maintain? You walk out there, you know, there's a little you know controversy backstage, and the viewers are picking up on that too. How do you just maintain that calm and just sit there and host the show? <laughs> you know, I didn't. They kept it pretty in house. I wasn't really that aware of anything. You know, I mean, whatever. It's not. It, I, I wish I could be more interesting about it. I, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't my drama, you know. So I. I just. I knew I was just there to help out and and um, smooth things over for the day. So that's what I tried to do. Yeah. Well, you stepped in there and you did your job. Yeah, I had fun. I really like that show. I really like Kelly. I really like Michael. So it's you know it's it's familiar territory for me, and so. It's always fun every time I go. Absolutely. Well, speaking of familiar territory, Arena Stage. We'll close it back out. Come full circle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's you, so you said you grew up going there, and you know, what's it just? What's it going to be like to be back out there? And you know, but but in a completely different way now. 
I know it's it's amazing. I I never would have imagined it, and I'm I really am excited. And I think I'm gonna have, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing whoever comes out of the woodwork from D.C. I have old friends and colleagues from Sidwell and neighborhood friends from Capitol Hill, and so I, I'm really I'm really really looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, if our WTOP listeners are listening, what's the final? You know, why should they come out? Let's. I mean, they've seen you and all this stuff, and and they maybe they they have a free night on Monday. The main reason they should come out is to support Arena Stage. We're gonna have a great time. We're gonna have a hoot and hollering time. I think the whole goal of it is to not be serious in any way, um, and it's like a you know it's a fun, ridiculous evening in honor of a great DC institution. So, um, you know that that's really the reason they should come out. It's not there's there's nothing. It's not gonna be turgid or boring or you know your garden variety benefit fair it's going to be a good night awesome well we're looking forward to it it's a great venue and uh, a great person that that's going to be there yourself over the years thanks so much for all the laughs and now for the singing we can't wait to see you yeah i, I look forward to doing it i really do and thanks for plugging it i appreciate it oh no problem uh and i guess i on wtop thanks so much Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.